Welcome to the Generational Dental Wealth Podcast. My name is Dr. Jermaine Effetti. My name is Kingsley Effetti, CPA. Today's going to be a fun conversation, but what we want to do is introduce the first season to everybody. Here, yeah. And that is taking a look at different careers within dentistry through a financial lens. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When we were kind of brainstorming this up, we said, you know what, Let, let's talk to that D4. You know, let, let's let's talk to that, you know, uh, graduate that is either just graduated or is about to graduate. And kind of in my mind, what I thought about was it'd be cool to say, Dr. Jermaine, like, what, what would you have done different? Right. Or what yeah. what I guess things did you do that made you, uh, I don't know, successful in that way? So I think I'm even going to learn a lot from this conversation in this season. And then, you know, hopefully, hopefully our viewers will as well. Now. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. I mean, really, we, we, we do want to talk to those who are in the preparation phase for the next step. Right. It is that D4. It is that new grad. It may be individuals who are two, three years out who are thinking about, you know what? Maybe I should retract my steps and get my career back on a different trajectory. But that's what this season's about. Um, D4s and new grads three or four years out can take from it. But honestly, if you're in year 10, yeah. you're thinking about changing the trajectory of your career. This is really a trajectory changing season. Yeah. And that's what we really want to focus on. But before we hop too much into it, something monumental happened yesterday. So y'all wow. can backdate this and figure out what the date of this recording is. Yeah. And that was... Colorado University beat Texas Christian University, TCU, TCU, which were the runners up in the national football playoff last year. That means they came second to Georgia. They mean, they were the second best team in the nation. Colorado, who won one game last year, they went 1-11, came in and beat the, and they went to Texas and beat the second best team in national, in college football last year. Kingsley, how, what changed between last year and this year with Colorado? Man, well, I know this isn't a football podcast, but I think we'd be uh, doing ourselves a disservice by not bringing this up. Because like you said, it was a monumental game. Monumental. See, me as an HBCU quarterback, I used to play quarterback in North Carolina a and Thank you, Pratt. It's honestly, I feel like I have the inside scoop on a lot of things that Dion, his son, uh, Shador, and pretty much what they've been able to do together. Um, when people don't, and maybe they know or don't know, you know, Deion Sanders was actually at Jackson State last year. Uh, they played North Carolina Central actually in the HBCU National Championship, which we call the Celebration Bowl. And they lost by a few points. It went down to the wire. And when that all happened after the game, I, either like a day or two later or whatever, I don't remember the dates, but Deion announced that he was actually going to be going to be the head coach at Colorado's. And and in, in my opinion, Dion caught a lot of flack for making that decision. Like, oh my gosh, you're abandoning HBCUs. Look at you. It's all about me, 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 me. In reality, I mean, he's prime time, right? He can he can he can make those decisions. And what I what I what I thought as an HBCU quarterback was he did his best for HBCUs. Right. He came, he did his years, he put HBCUs on a map. And honestly, he brought a lot of awareness about a lot of inequalities, right? The money inequalities. I think that he was a, a well-spoken uh, voice. And I don't think if he makes a decision to move on, it should be held against him at all. Um, but long story short, as far as the game, man, you know, uh, Colorado goes down, like Doc said, down to Texas and beats TCU at TCU. Um, and honestly, Colorado looked like they had been there before. I think that yeah. was my biggest thing. I mean, if you watch the game, if you follow Colorado at all, they had, I believe it was like 50 or 60 transfers, meaning that like they they were returning like four starters. And in my opinion, that's that's crazy. That's like you having a brand new team. You have no chemistry. You have pretty much one camp to get everything together. And it's like 
Next thing you know, you're playing against, like I said, the national runner-ups. It's, it, That's crazy. It's mind-blowing. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. And again, this isn't about sports, right? We're, we're taking this situation, and that's what we do a lot. And that's why we wanted to bring this, this collection of a body of work to the world. It's because these conversations we have amongst each other about uh, Deion Sanders and what he was able to do in Colorado in game one yeah. is the kind of stuff we extrapolate into our lives. I mean, this individual went from Jackson State University and moved to Colorado, caught so much flack like you already talked about. And just six months later, this guy is already winning a huge primetime game. Yeah. No one gave them a chance. Everybody thought it was just for clout. Everybody was thinking like, OK, uh, Colorado, they just they, they're, they're going to blow it. And they're going to blow it early. Honestly, a lot of people were rooting for them to fail. Yeah. For them to come in and win such a huge game in Texas. Yeah. We're on the field. It was 103 in the in the air in the stadium, but on the field they said it felt like 130 degrees. Yeah, none of his players caught cramps, meaning they were prepared. And what you said that really stuck out to me was the fact that they looked like they'd been there before. Yeah, and that's what tells me that we might see what they do on social media and shaking and jiving, right? But it tells me behind closed doors he's getting his men prepared. And you know what's crazy? One thing I just now realized as you were talking was. Dion is the uh, he's the epitome. He, he is the example of generational, mm. right? Playing with his two sons, right? Uh, coaching him all the way through high school. I mean, he's been with them every step of the way. Not only that, but Travis, the corner and the receiver, the, the guy that plays both ways, he calls him his Dylan son. Edwards. Yep, and it, the running back as well. He he coached him all the way through little league, and now he brought him all the way to Colorado. And he calls all of those people his sons, and, and I and I feel it, and I and I respect it, and and so to me, that's why I think Dion's one 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 of the greats, man. And that's why it, it goes into this generational dental wealth because again, this is not about football. This is about the mentorship that it takes to get people to that stage, yeah, right? So true. as we're looking at different careers through a financial lens, it's important for us to understand that it doesn't matter if you're in Jackson State or you're in Colorado, if you're in Charlotte, you're in Raleigh, you're in Atlanta, you're in New York. It doesn't matter where you are. You have to understand the talent and the values that you personally bring to dentistry. Now, when he left Jackson State or wherever he left, he could have thought to himself, you know what? Maybe I'm just a product of my environment. <laughs> and that's just how it goes in your first job or in dental school or wherever you're at. A lot of us, we lack a lot of confidence thinking, am I the reason that for the success? Or is it because I went to a fantastic school? Yeah. Or I miraculously found an amazing associateship that no one else could have found. Instead of really understanding the value that you bring to a situation, right? The best words I ever heard is that, you know, if it's your work, nobody can ever take it away from you. Yeah. Right? Your job, people can take that away from you. But your work, your ministry, and what you do, like I said, within dentistry for me, I have, I have a work to do. I feel like when I'm, when I'm talking to my patients and I'm bringing a certain value of care to them and I'm letting them know that, hey, listen, I don't know what happened in the 40 years before you met me, but now that you're in my chair, you're my responsibility, and I'm going to help you get to your oral goals, right? Yeah. That's the kind of ministry I have with each and every one of my patients. So it doesn't matter if I'm in Madagascar, in Nigeria, Charlotte. It doesn't matter where I am. I take that with me. And that's what Primetime did. When he was coaching Little League, he poured his heart into it. Yeah. Now he has the top players in the country who call him dad. A grown man's not calling somebody dad who didn't really pour into him like that, it's right? True. So yeah. it's important to understand that he did it in Little League. He did it at Jackson State. Now he's at Colorado at the biggest stage. And what the reason we're bringing this up now is because we want to go ahead and timestamp this now because we don't know what's coming next. 
who knows? He might be at Alabama. He might be at Florida. He might be at Florida State where he went to school, right? So let's go ahead and timestamp this now. Wherever he goes, he brings that passion wherever he goes, right? Because that's his work. So for each and every one of us here, understand your first job will does not dictate your value in dentistry. And for a lot of people here, your first job will not be your last job. I read a statistics that said about 80% of associates switch jobs within the first two years. That should tell us that, listen, we should not lack confidence when it comes to entering the job market, when it comes to starting a practice. Because understand, regardless of how it goes, you have value. Regardless if you if you fail or you succeed in your own standards, everything should be a learning experience. I still remember uh, back in July 1st when uh, one of my longest term contracts called and canceled on me. Mm. And then I remember I was thinking to myself, oh, man, this is this this is going to be a tough situation. But then yeah. I remember just thinking to myself, like, you are the value, right? You bring your own different sets of values. And then, believe it or not, that same day, we were able to now hop on the phones. Because I remember you were there. Like, it was in Atlanta. I remember when I got the call. Yeah. Hop on the phones and get things together. And we ended up closing on a contract that same day for 60% more. Yeah. So that tells me that other people value your skill set more than a lot of us actually value our own skill sets. Yeah. We got to see value in what we do. Awesome. Let's go ahead and segue into the episode. Man, let's hop into it. Let's do it. So the biggest thing here we're going to be talking about is, again, going down different career paths within dentistry through a financial lens. So what we're going to do is talk about some high level decisions that need to be made to make sure you set yourself up for success. As they say in finances, it's not the big decisions that make you a success or a failure. It's a lot of the little decisions that are made correctly that make it that way the yeah. same way it takes years to build a skyscraper but one earthquake to tear it all down yeah. that's how it is in our financial world we got to make a lot of of solid decisions so Kingsley, let me ask you this right yeah. for uh, a new grad who is who is graduating or somebody who is was thinking about a, a switch in their trajectory tell me how where you live could be such a monumental decision yeah, I think I think that's a really great question. You know, my my philosophy as a CPA, as as you know, someone who who speaks to, you know, people who are making these life decisions, is start with the end in mind, mm -hmm. right? You're a new grad, or you you just graduated. You know, you may have a lot in debt, so I say start with the end in mind. Don't make an emotional decision where oh, this is the huge big city that I see everybody moving to. I just want to move there because this is the most popular decision. What's always the most popular decision isn't always the best decision for you. So what I say as far as for that new grad moving to a new uh, city is start with that end in mind. You know, where you are, uh, where where are you as far as, let's just say, different situations as far as are you are you engaged? Are you married? Are you looking to start a family? Um, do you mind living in this city? Is this something, is this a city that you enjoy personally, right? Because you're only going to be practicing, I mean, maybe 25% of your, your, your entire time there, right? You're going to be having a, 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 a friend. You're going to be having friends there. You're going to be having different um, opportunities to be in different clubs and different associations. So you never want to make the decision just based off of, I'm making a lot of money in this, in this environment, right? We want to start with the end in mind. Do I see myself growing here long-term? That's really good. Because when it comes to where you live, it, it is a, is a very key decision, yeah. right? Um, I think sometimes we look at the bells and whistles of a situation and don't really understand like a lot really factors into it, right? Yeah. Um, I think, Enough is not really said into the business side of dentistry on where you live. Um, contrary to popular belief, major cities do not have as many job opportunities compared to non-major cities. I know that sounds crazy, right? Um, we're here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and 
people think that a majority of the contracts that we do within 1099 and travel dentistry are here in Charlotte. And contrary to popular belief, it's not. Yeah. Most contracts are on the road two, three, four, five hours outside the city because believe it or not, because it attracts so many people to Charlotte, it attracts so many young dentists as well. Yeah. Right. So at the same time, who is out and serving the coast? Yeah. Who is out in the middle of nowhere servicing that city of 50,000 people? So it's important to weigh those kind of dynamics into place, right? If you know that, hey, you know what? I already have my family base together. Um, I'm good. My wife, my kids, we can go anywhere. We can open up a nationwide search to find which area needs me the most. Then that would be a very lucrative opportunity to not only take care of yourself financially long term, but also put yourself in the best situation where you'll be most valued. Your skill set will be most needed, right? There is a certain level of, of fulfillment that comes knowing that you solve the problem. A community hasn't had a dentist in 10 years and you and your family's coming in to now solve that problem. That in itself is fulfillment. Yeah. Now, as well as, let's say if you are uh, younger, right? Single, maybe, or dating. And now you want to go to an a area that has more opportunity socially. You probably don't want to be in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And understand, again, finances is just one component that should go into making your decision. But how you feel about yourself, what you want to do, how you want to spend your downtime, how you want to meet people, how you want to network, all that stuff. What what, do you, what kind of impact do you want to make in your community should also factor into your decision. So where you live is an absolutely huge decision. So let me ask you this from from a again, we're going to hop into the difference between a 1099 and W2 in the future. But from just a, a simple perspective, um, Let's say if somebody does want to live in a, a major city, how do they know when it's time to buy and how when it's time to rent? And if, is it OK to rent? Yeah. Uh, so personally, what, what, what I'd suggest is maybe give it a few months. Right. If, if that's a possibility, if this is a city that you say, hey, like I can really see myself growing here. What's the rush? Right. Why why not do, you know, three months, maybe temporary, uh, temporary living, maybe having a, a an opportunity to, you know, rent, rent out a, a, a space where you can just fill the city out, go out a few weekends, meet some different people and say, OK, now that I have new, this new job and now I'm living here, I can now begin to decide, is this somewhere where I want to purchase a home? Mm -hmm. You know, because what I see happen a lot of times is somebody may move to a city, think that they like it, may stay there for a year. They'll purchase a home, but say, you know what? Either this opportunity didn't work out uh, for me at this at this practice or I just don't like the city. And so what they end up having to pretty much come up with is now that I have this home, I can't just uproot myself and leave tomorrow. Right. You 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 really dwindle your options down. So what I suggest is, hey. We want to mitigate the fact that this is a possibility. You might get fired from this position or for whatever reason, you may just not want to be in that city anymore. So we always think, how can we begin to mitigate the risks behind, honestly, homeownership? Right. Because at the end of the day, home ownership is great, but it comes with its own challenges as well. Do you mind being a landlord if you do move away from that city? Right. Do, do you mind uh, 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 making sure that there is not just bills piling up in that home? Right. Property taxes, mortgage that you have on that home piling up. Do you mind putting somebody in that space and renting it out? Or are you just going to go back through the process of trying to sell a home, right? It's going to be a lot of transition in just a short period of time. Um, so that, that's that's pretty much my, my whole thought process on that. That's really good. What about you, man? I, I think you already, I think you summed it up very good. I think the question is, are you okay with transforming to being from just a dentist to a, a landlord if necessary? Yeah. Right. And number, number two, what does your non-compete look like? 
Mm. If you are in a city that you just bought a house in, but you signed a contract that locks you out of that city, you're putting yourself in a very bad situation, mm. right? So now you might need to negotiate your non-compete from a 10-mile radius down to a 5-mile radius. And if somebody doesn't budge on it, maybe that's not an opportunity you want to take up. Because again, you want to make sure you have that kind of flexibility on the on the front end and the back end, right? Mm-hmm. No one's going to negotiate and, and, and advocate for you harder than you are for yourself, right? So you got to understand your situation and understand what where do you lie on that spectrum when it comes to I'm ready for home ownership now or maybe I should wait. But we're not even going to hop in too much in that for now because we're going to have a real estate expert come on and we're really <laughs> going to hop into the difference between ownership and, and leasing and when is the perfect time within a career. So. The next question that you need to start thinking about as we're looking at the different career options through a financial lens is how long do you plan on living in an area? Right? Yeah. Like if you only plan on staying in an area for a year or two, then that makes a lot of your other decisions easier. I feel like a lot of us sometimes take our first associateship job, but don't really have a game plan on how long you plan on staying in the area. Right. So mm-hmm. one of the wise words I personally received, which I'm going to give everybody here today, um, is if you know where you want to open up a practice, that's not where you should associate ship first. Yeah. Meaning that if I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina, and that's where I want to open up a practice one day, that's not where I should start my career or that's not where I should necessarily associate associate first. Right. And again, no advice is 100 percent, but this is just a rule of thumb, because what happens is you can lock your own self out of your own city. Mm, what happens wow. when you work in Raleigh? You sign, you sign a non-compete for 10 miles, and now you're locked out of 10 miles of your own city. And the best opportunity you were looking at was eight miles. And you right on that cusp. What are you going to do? Go back to a relationship that went sour and ask, hey, can you change my non-compete from 10 miles down to eight miles so we can be friends again? Like, nah. You have to handle, you have to treat every every contract. Hopefully, you never have to use it. But if you do, it's advantageous, right? That it doesn't put you in a position that you can't live with. So it's important for people to ask themselves, how long do I plan on being in the area? So when you're as a D4 or you're a new grad looking to transition, it's important for you to, number one, figure out where do you want to live? Then now, number two, how long do I want to live there? How long do I want to be in this area? Is this area advantageous for me long term? Right. You don't have to have all the answers, but it's good to start working yourself through. Okay, I plan on being here for a year. I plan on being here for 10 years. And this doesn't go for dentistry. This goes for any career. This is just career advice, period. Where do you want to live? How long you want to live there? Next one is as far as what do you want to learn on the job? Mm. Yeah, I, I think I think I think that is one of the biggest questions from the standpoint. You are there to accumulate information that you can take on to the next business. I always say that in everything, even when I talk to business owners or wh- whoever is. You are at practice right now from the standpoint you're just preparing for the next season. Right. What do you actually take it from that uh, from that position, from that opportunity, whether you working in that environment was good or bad. Right. You can always learn something. If it was a bad environment. Hey, this is how I don't want to. If I ever open a practice, this is how I don't want to conduct my, my business. Mm-hmm. Or you can say, hey, this was great. You know, they had a great patient experience. You know, they had a great team environment. This is this is the things that I want to take from this uh, uh, opportunity I have. And this is what I want to implement in my own practice. It's so important that in every opportunity, you really take something because that begins to make you more valuable, right? If you're, if your hand speed is increasing, that is an asset that you are gaining that it may not be a monetary asset, but you are becoming a better professional. You know, if it is communication skills that you're gaining with, with, uh, patients and things like that, that is something that 
the next opportunity that you're in, you're going to be bene- you're going to be benefiting that environment so much more because now you're a better communicator. That's good. You know, whether that's clinically, whether that's non-clinically, you always want to take something from an environment, no matter what the situation is, because honestly, you're going to become a better asset for everybody else around you. That's really good. Yeah. It's going to keep coming back to the same theme that how you're compensated is more than what you see as a dollar sign. It's what you learn, the experiences you take away from it, the people you you meet, the the people capital. And also, again, like finances is you can get paid anywhere. Mm-hmm. But when we ask ourselves, what are you going to learn from an experience? That's that's absolutely key, especially in the early years of your career. Now, it, it's important, number one, to figure out what you want to learn. And that's why I always say everybody needs to take inventory of the individual selves when you're selecting your first position. Right. Even if you commit it in your D1 year to I'm going to work for such and such person. Right. But as you're taking inventory as yourself as a D4 or two, three years out, you start figuring out maybe communication is the area that I lack. Yeah. Maybe speed is the area that I lack. Then that means that I probably need to find an opportunity that allows me to see a lot of patients and puts me into a leadership position. So I'm forced to communicate better. Yeah. Whatever it is, you need to figure out what areas do you want to grow? Because guess what? When when you're put in a position where it's it's going to increase the areas of opportunities within yourself, you're literally getting paid twice. You're getting taken care of financially, but you're also getting paid in experience. And in my opinion, being paid in experience is more important than the financial aspect, because, again, those it compounds at a different speed. Your ability to communi- communicate with your patients, to be able to lead a team, to be able to get your hand speed up, to be able to be confident in your treatment planning skills. Those kind of increases are exponential increases. So, Kings, if you can give us a yeah. quick summary of yeah. what are the three main things that uh, so maybe a D4 or a new grad needs to take into consideration as they're planning out the next step of their career. Yeah. And I, I really I really enjoy the way that we laid it out. You know, first, where do you want to live? Right. Really, really important. Second, how long do you want to be there? How long do you want to live there? How long do you see yourself in this environment? And then number third, in in which one I I personally like the best, what do you want to take away from this? Right. What do you want to learn in this season, in this opportunity that you have currently? I think as like you said, as that new graduate or that person that's finishing dental school, these are the top three questions that I will be asking myself if if I was in that position. So. Any any final thoughts and takeaways? No, that's perfect. I think you laid it out really, really good. Um, really, I, we're just going to continue to go into this first season. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, I we're going to so. be talking about all the different career paths within dentistry from a financial perspective. Because again, in school, we learn about all the different routes, but we're not really taught about what is the best way to handle it from a financial perspective, right? And this is not make more money. This is trying to figure out what's the best landscape, so the best way I can navigate my personal situation to set myself up for that generational wealth so I can free myself up with time so I can do what I enjoy. I can have that personal fulfillment because, again, when it comes to that generational dental wealth, really, it's more internal than it is external. But it's going to be a fun conversation. It's going to be a fun season. Thank you all for joining us on the Generational Dental Wealth Podcast. My name is Dr. Jermaine Fetty. And I'm Kingsley Fetty CPA. We'll see you next time. Peace. Checking out.